Welcome, friends, and thank you for listening. I'm Scott Sullivan, Discipleship Catalyst with the Georgia Baptist Mission Board, and our team exists to strengthen Georgia Baptist churches in the area of discipleship. We've developed three tools just for you. The Watershed Principle, which identifies the six main ministries of the church that must be healthy to produce world-impacting disciple-makers. The Spark Conference. Last year's conference saw over 33,000 views from 45 different states and 18 countries. This year's conference will premiere on August the 12th with best-selling author Tony Evans, Ben Mandrell, president of Lifeway, and David Kinneman, the president of the Barna Group. We also have learning communities that are set up throughout Georgia, which exist to help you finish the task of leading your family in ministry well. You can see our website to find one near you. Also, every Thursday at 3 p.m., you can catch this broadcast through Facebook, Instagram, or multiple podcast platforms. Now, let's join today's broadcast. Hello, Disciple Making Friends. I'm Scott Sullivan. Thanks for engaging with us to discuss this final piece of the watershed principle. Now, to get this free resource, go to gabaptist.org forward slash discipleship and click that core strategy button. Now, let me remind you that the watershed principle is the greatest church health principle that I've ever learned. Literally, a watershed is a ridge of land that separates flowing into multiple streams and feeds a single body of water. Now, that watershed, a healthy watershed, can feed an entire ecosystem and create vibrant life, which is what we want in the local church. We, we see that as an ecosystem. We've got to be able to figure out a way to feed that local church so that it is healthy, it is vibrant, it has life, and that it is growing. But if the watershed is sick, then the life downstream ceases. It begins to die. And that's what we're seeing in a lot of churches across America. And what we've noted are six main streams or six intentional ministries in the church that need to be healthy for your church to be healthy. So that's what the watershed principle is. And that's why we've designed it for you in the local church to identify those, to work through them. And matter of fact, we even have consultants living in your region that are trained experts in helping you flesh this out, understand that, and make necessary changes. Now, those six streams that we've been working through the last few weeks are this. Balance is the first stream. This is where we shift our mentality from show to grow. And this balance gives us the structure to sustain growth moving forward as a church. The second one is reach moving church member mindset from spectating to reaching. Now, this is where you're going to gain a lot of energy. You're going to gain, uh, build momentum when your people experience the joy mm. of leading other people to Christ. See, we have a powerful evangelism team of experts that are designed and trained to help you with this, led by J.J. Washington, one of my favorite people on the planet. So if this is an issue for you, we can help you move forward in the area of evangelism in this reach stream. The third stream is teach. Now, what we talked about here is how not just to teach for information, but for transformation. You see, when we are thinking in terms of transformation with our people, there was a key piece we talked about on the back end called takeaway. When we are teaching lessons and we're doing need-to-need discipleship, helping people not just think in terms of application, but what am I going to do with what I have learned? A fourth stream is serve. 
where we guide our people to shift from being a consumer to a co-laborer. Now, we talked through why having the right culture in your church is important, how you can do that. But we also talked about how a new member or discovery class can help you set the culture before people get into your church so that you're not chasing them to create culture after they get into your church. And if you'd like a copy of a four-session new member class that I wrote, listen, we'll give that to you free. We want to help you with that. We can even teach you how to implement that in your specific church. Now, the fifth stream of the watershed is multiply. That's what we did last week. And we learned why it's so important for the pastor and leadership to shift their focus from keeping to sending. You see, we begin to think in terms of seeding capacity, not so much the seeding capacity as much as our sending capacity capacity. Who are we raising up? What kind of disciples are we making? Are we calling our young people to minister? Are we calling out the called? And I showed you why it's so important to multiply disciples, multiply groups, multiply churches, if you want to reach the world for Christ. Now, today what we're focusing on is that sixth stream. It's called lead. Now, the pivot here is, is to move our attention from doing to equipping. Because, Pastor, you were never intended to do all the ministry of the church. It's just not your job. Sometimes we, as church members, we give you that expectations and we, and we make you feel like you should do everything in the church. We hired you to do it. Listen, you might can do anything, but you can't do everything. And that's where we've got to be, Ephesians 4. We are raising people up, having those strategic, intentional relationships where we're discipling and investing in people and then helping them, equipping them as the body of Christ to be an army that goes out and serves. Now, let me make a, a note real quick because we want to do like we always do. We want to give some free swag away. We've got resources we want to put into your hands. So make sure that you leave a comment below where you're watching from to get entered into that drawing. And we'd also love it if you'd share the broadcast because we want you to help us extend the gospel reach of what we're doing through this. Now, in this sixth and final piece of the watershed principle, this lead layer or stream, um, this is so key. So I want you to lean in for just a moment because you as the leader can either remove the lid or you can be the lid on your church's potential to make world impacting disciple makers. Now, as we discuss this, I'm going to bring on two great leaders to help me dive deeper. We're going to interview um, couple of guys here. Ray Sullivan is our Southeast Discipleship Consultant from our Southeast region. And listen, Ray, your inner circle, you are killing it in that Southeast region. Thank you for being here and, and guiding our discussion. We're glad to have you, your expertise, not just in that region, but on the broadcast today, buddy. Hey, thank you, Scott. It's, it's such an honor to be here. I look forward to these broadcasts uh, each week. We're learning from you. Um, as we talk about this and we discuss together, man, it's just a, it's just some good stuff here. Good to be here. You bet. And then Dr. Thomas Hammond, one of my favorite people on the planet, my boss, he's the executive director here at the Georgia Baptist Mission Board, former leader at NAM, former pastor at Hebron Church in Decula, which at one time was one of the fastest growing churches in the entire nation. And he was the evangelism pastor there at the church during that time frame. Also former pastor at First Alpharetta, where they saw hundreds and hundreds of people saved. But listen, what I think is so cool, Thomas, particularly in your time there in Alpharetta, is that you were seeing people saved, but it wasn't just that evangelism, get them baptized. 
you were moving the church to become more healthy as well as the baptisms and the, the big numbers that were, were coming in. Thanks for being here with us, Thomas. Thank you, Scott. Great, great to be here. Uh, I'm excited about what we're doing and how we're really serving and ministering to our leaders who are influencing their churches to do great things. Uh, the, the potential here is really is so exciting. Praise yeah. God for it. Absolutely. Ray, I believe you're going to guide our discussion, buddy. Take off. Sure will. Hey, thank you so much, Thomas, for being with us today. Um, you know, in the watershed principle, Scott says this, he writes, great leaders know that we don't find time for what's most important. We have to make it. And I mean, if anybody knows what a busy schedule is like, <laughs> it's got to be you. I mean, you knew it as a pastor. Uh, you served uh, boots on the ground as a pastor, uh, and you're doing it as our executive director. So, so here's my question. I mean, what, what practical ideas or thoughts could you, you share with maybe some of the busy pastors out there on, on how to keep the, the main task of reaching people with the gospel and, and discipling them, raising them up to, to spiritual maturity? How, how, do we, how do we keep that a priority in our lives? Ray, that's a great question. And I'll tell you, answering that question in each of our lives is critically important for us to be successful in, in being the pastor of a church that's reaching and influencing its, its community and its culture. Uh, you know, for the last year, we have been in the middle of a survival survival mode, and we've been in the middle of, of really looking at things going, how do we problem solve? So pastors who are so used to planning and, and actually projecting of where we're going and how we're going to get there have now been saying, goodness, let's just kind of circle the wagons and let's hold the, hold the fort, if you will, for these next few months to see what, what's happening here with this pandemic. And now everybody's got a bit of cabin fever, if you will, and there's also the reality pastors are going, all right, what do I have here? What's left? As I look out, I see half the crowd that I used to have. And I see uh, my, my uh, small groups or my Sunday school classes. They are meeting, but boy, there's just not the attendance that we used to have and so on and so forth. And the different ministries we want to do and outreach and so on. By the way, there is a great resource that Lifeway just did. It's an extensive, uh, uh, really a survey that they did with pastors all across the country. I think it's about 45 pages long. And I believe, if I'm not mistaken, that we'll put the link to that uh, really on this on this podcast here so pastors can download that and look through it. It's extremely helpful. They, they, they're showing what churches are going through across the country, what's happening in small groups, outreach, and so many other things. So uh, it's, it, it's worth your time to go through and read this. But I will tell you, what you said in the quote, though, Ray, is critically important. Uh, I always tell pastors, if, if you want to see something happening in church, you have got to... Uh, you got to put together a plan yeah. and in putting together that plan, honestly, you got to schedule yourself to be really engaged in that plan or uh, creative time, that plan making every week. In fact, what I did when I was pastoring is I literally went through my calendar and would schedule two hour slots for me each week in which I was going to spend that time in, in prayer and creative thought of what does God want to do with uh, in, in certain situations or how does God want to, uh, really use us to reach parts of our community that we're really struggling to reach, or even as in this creative time of, Lord, what do you want to do with us right now as we move forward as a church and so on and so forth. Those two hours were so critically important because they enabled me to get out of the, uh, the vortex of the ministry. I mean, there's so many demands. Everybody's trying to take your time. Everybody's trying to tell the pastor what they need to be doing and, and giving a pastor a full ear of what their expectations are and so on and so forth. But this was the time for me to pull away, and just begin to just write and dream of what, what are we doing and how can we do other things and do them better. 
And those two hours each week were extremely important in really setting the direction of our church. So schedule that time for yourself every week. Uh, and it may be you, it may even be another staff member if that works well for you, but get into a room and a place where you can be creative. And here's the other thing, write down your ideas, mm -hmm. write yeah. down your thoughts. Adrian Rogers used to say that the strongest memory is weaker than the weakest ink. And so I would encourage you because there are times in which you might think, I'll remember this, but the truth is you probably won't. So have a pad that's your creative pad, your idea pad, where you're praying and saying, God, speak to me on ways in which we can equip our people to do the, the work of ministry and reaching our community. Man, that's so good, Thomas. I, I love what you and I were talking yesterday about how many times we pray and we prepare and we read and then it's two, three o'clock in the morning, four o'clock in the morning, this thought hits our mind and we're you know, writing it on a pad or we're emailing ourselves these notes um, because we know that if we don't write it down, we're not going to remember it. That's so good. So good. Now, um, one thing based on what you just said, Thomas, that churches, you know, pastors are looking, they're trying to figure these things out. And, and there's a word that was used by a couple of pastors that, that really stuck with us when they said, you know, sometimes we feel paralyzed because we're trying to figure all this out and we don't really know where to go. And I want to insert something here real quick, because what we've done with our discipleship team is we've implemented learning communities throughout Georgia. Right now we've got about 40, four zero, wow. 40 wow. learning communities all over Georgia designed for the local pastor, local staff member leader to be involved in those. And it's for two reasons. One is to grow professionally where you're gives you a soundboard to ask questions, to gain best practices, but also to sharpen you as a leader and then to grow personally, you know, to build those lifelong friendships for accountability and encouragement. Because here's what we want to make sure that you know, Pastor, that you are not alone in your region, in your church. We've got consultants in those regions. We've got these learning communities set up so you can be resourced and encouraged. Now, along that line, let me go to a second question here for you, Thomas, because we posted a quote by Kerry Newoff this past week, and it had over 6,000 views, was shared 30 times all over the world. And this is what it said. It's not your programs or methods as a church that are sacred. It's your mission. Right. See, our listeners hear me say all the time, listen, we're not going to be married to anything but our spouse. Okay, we're not going to change the gospel, but the other things you're going to be able to move and shift and work around. So here's my question for you. Why do you think some pastors find it easier to manage programs than it is to expend that focused energy that it takes to model a life on life discipleship, which, which is what we know it takes to grow people towards spiritual mature, maturity? Help us with some, some insight here. Well, when you look at the, uh, the, the managing the, uh, the machine, if you will, or oil in the machine to keep it going and functioning, you know, that is a, a part of church work that uh, honestly is, is far easier than uh, what would be uh, known as the creative component of it. Uh, so many times when we're looking at church work, there's certain things that are already scheduled for us in, in ministry. I mean, as a pastor, I want you to know my, my week was very regimented. I knew what I was doing on Sunday morning. I knew what I was doing on Sunday afternoon, taking a nap. I knew what I was doing on Sunday night, Monday. You get the picture here. But here's the reality. Uh, be, because of that, it would be so easy. And I'll tell you, I would be so busy. I could put 50 hours a week into keeping the uh, managing the, the, the machine, managing the work, the, 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 all the process that we have of 
keeping church going. But involved in that, there would be little, if any, outreach. There would be little, if any, creativity of new new means by which we would start getting the gospel to people that we aren't getting it. We would just keep the people that we got happy, so to speak. And that's, listen, that's a part of church and that's very busy, but man, that's not what we're called to do only. We're called to, uh, to make disciples of people. We're all called to reach the lost. And uh, so what has to happen is this, there has to be a component of, of pulling away, as I said earlier, and, but it, there has to be this time of creativity. Now, creativity is, a rare practice in the church these days. And the reason why is because creativity demands that you create something. Uh, see, if, if you're thinking about it and dreaming about something, it obviously isn't there yet. And for it to really to exist, then somebody's got to create it to make it. And there's a lot of time and energy and effort in going that goes into being creative and then creating these ministries. And it's so much harder than just managing what we've got but I can tell you right now, if we're going to reach this lost state, 7 million lost people in Georgia, we've got to have pastors. We've got to have church leaders. We've got to have lay leaders who are, listen, they don't want to just stay right there in the safety of the confines where they are. They want to grab machetes in their hands and start cutting vines and trees and carving out and clearing out new paths, new roads, new highways to get the gospel all across this state and all across their community. To do that, it takes a significant amount of work. Here's the other thing, too. I don't know of any pastor who has gotten in trouble with his church in the last year, two or three, for baptisms being low. But there's so many other things that pastors get in trouble with their laity uh, for, but maybe it's they're not doing the ministries like we used to, or we're not doing the things that we like to do, or so on and so forth. And so what happens sometimes is we do acquiesce toward expectation. And it's important for us as leaders to continue to minister to the flock, provide the ministries and the care that they need, but also to lead well in saying there is another mountain that we've got to climb. There's another, another hill that we've got to take with the gospel. There's people out all across our community that are lost, that we need to begin to create ministries and then, then provide opportunities for our folks who aren't engaged and involved uh, or maybe are involved in some of the older things, the other, other ministries we used to do that used to produce. And Ray and Scott, here's one of the things I found in ministry. The hardest things for me to let go of are the things that used to work. Mm. And uh, I can tell you right now, it's critically important for us to redream the dream because the world as we knew it back in the beginning of 2020 is significantly different today. So, and so what has what's before us is this a call, I think, for all of us to redream the dream of how we're going to reach this this incredibly beautiful lost world with the gospel. It's hmm. good, man. That is that's so good, Thomas. You know, I, I love how you you said that talking about the creativity side, and when we talk about you know from this lead aspect from doing to equipping, you know, I, I'm I'm getting on the how do I say this, getting on the older side of the ministry track now, I just crossed over, I'm 51 now. And, you know, I think back to my seminary days and I think back to those early years and man, I just gotta be honest, Thomas, I, I was never taught, um, I was never trained. Seminary didn't train me how to make disciples. I gotta say that, I, maybe some guys had that, but I learned how to preach, I learned how to exegete scripture, I learned how to do some counseling. Basically, in a lot of ways, I learned how to manage a church program. And I learned how to do it well. 
And so you're right, you know, I, I found a lot of success in that for a certain period of time, but there comes a time where, where that program, that machine is just not producing. And uh, I see that in, in my time out in the field, I see so many guys that, that are running that machine, they're doing the program and they know that they need to be dreaming the dream. They know that they need to be equipping those next leaders, but they really don't, they really don't know how to equip them. Um, you know, uh, so I guess my question for you is, and, and this is, uh, there, maybe there's no answer to this, but just what kind of encouragement uh, would you give to those guys out there that just don't feel like they're adequately equipped to train disciple makers? What yeah. would you say to them? Well, I'm telling you, uh, first of all, I'd say that you're in the majority. Uh, sadly, we have failed uh, for so many decades in really being that mentor, that disciple-making uh, denomination. Now, there are pockets where we see uh, men and women who have been very well discipled and, and grown in their faith, and then they too are multiplying, uh, multiplying disciples as well. But it's just so rare these days. But uh, let me encourage you with this, because I can tell you right now, um, no, no matter where you are in ministry, there are some things that you can be really investing in, in other people, some truths, some experiences, some wisdom. But I will tell you uh, as well, time is such an incredible uh, resource to invest in people. There's just something that is, uh, is given to us in time together where we really do teach far more than we realize that we do. And so I would encourage all of our pastors who are struggling with this, this really this incredible task of mentoring uh, to, first of all, I, I would encourage you to do this. First of all, talk to pastors who are doing a good job or talk to church leaders who are doing a job of mentoring and sit down with them and, and learn from them of what they're doing. I can tell you right now, I've heard this many times, but it's true. Creativity is just not revealing your sources. And I'll tell you this, there are some plenty of pastors who would love to spend a couple of hours with, with another pastor or group of pastors to pour into them so that they would become disciple making. Uh, right. One of the things that I found out uh, that is a struggle in being a disciple making pastor or, or church leader is that you don't see immediate results from disciple making. Mm -hmm. uh, it, it takes months and sometimes it takes many months and maybe even years before you start seeing the fruit of that. And so often we as pastors, listen, we are, we are in this vortex. We, we know what's expected. We know what we're going to be held accountable for. And uh, I will say, sadly, disciple making isn't one of the things that we find our folks saying, pastor, you got to make more disciples. But I'm going to tell you, it's the way Jesus did it. And it's what he commanded us to do. I mean, when you think about the command to make disciples, teaching them to observe, teaching them to obey all the things that we've commanded. I mean, that's every aspect of what it means to be a follower of Christ. Somebody has got to pour that in. And they're not going to get that. Listen, they're not going to get that from a 30-minute sermon. They just won't. And so I would encourage you to do simply this. Make plans now. Make a commitment right now to say, I'm going to pour into one, two, three, or four. The number is insignificant but that you are really, you're multiplying yourself in the lives of somebody else. It take and listen, it happens. Nobody disciples anybody by accident. You've got to make a plan to do that. Man, I really appreciate that. That is, that is so good. And I'll tell you this, Thomas, uh, just thank you for what you're doing. 
uh, fall of 2019, I was on the executive committee. I was pastor of Reedsville Baptist Church. And uh, at that executive committee, you came in and you began to give this vision of uh, pastors are our heroes, churches are our priority, and Georgia's our mission field. And, and putting regional consultants, uh, moving out of Atlanta, getting guys in the field that can build relationships with pastors. And I'm going to tell you, I remember sitting there in that meeting as a pastor saying, this is some good stuff, man. I really need this. I didn't know at that time that I was going to be on this side of it. But, um, you know, I would just tell anybody watching today, that's why we're here, guys. That's what the mission board is all about. We're boots on the ground. We're right here with you to encourage you in this walk and to be that sounding board uh, and that resource uh, if you need it. Scott? That's really good. Now, look, Thomas, I, I watch and listen uh, to findings from the top thought leaders all over the world. And I do that every single day so that I can try to stay up and try to stay ahead of the game. And all the research that we have right now is showing that the pastor must lead the charge for disciple making right. publicly and privately. Right. Now we know that there are some that say, Hey, we want to be a disciple making church. So they'll hire a guy and say, Hey, make sure that we're doing that. But all the research is saying that that church simply isn't going to become a disciple making church unless that pastor leads it from the pulpit, but also that he's doing it personally. So give us some insight into how a pastor can know how to choose who he invests in and, and who his disciples are, because that's a big decision that a pastor has got to think through. Yeah. Hey, let me chase a little bit of a rabbit and, and I'll get to that point right there. I, I want to say this to you. What, what What's an interesting phenomenon is that a church takes on the personality of a pastor. It may take four years. It may take five years. It may take a little longer. But eventually, what that pastor says is, is that, that is important becomes important to that entire church. And there's many reasons for that, but it is exactly true. And sometimes we look at our church to say, boy, I wish my church was different. Well, what it may take is for us as leaders to be different. And I will tell you right now, pastor, if if you don't prioritize evangelism, if you don't prioritize discipleship and disciple making in your life, your church never will. Those are two things that you can't just point and say, go do. These are two things that you have to say, let's do this together. There's a great quote that was from the first century, back when rabbis were walking with their disciples, as in Jesus' day, and teaching. And the, and the, the quote was, may the dust of your rabbi be upon you. In other words, may you walk so closely to your rabbi while he's teaching that the sandals that he's wearing is kicking up the dust from the path on you. And that's what my prayer is for all of us as pastors and as church leaders is, may we be so close to Jesus that his dust is upon us and that we're literally teaching others from the overflow of that impact, that relationship in our own life. And so for this to take place, Scott and, and Ray, I'll tell you right now, it's got to be a priority in the pastor's life. It's got to be a priority in the church, in the church schedule, in the church budget. It's got to be a priority in the church staff. And I'm going to tell you, Pastor, I, I can tell you right now, you, you can tell your staff certain things, but if you don't inspect it, <laughs> you shouldn't expect it. You've got to have a sense of accountability in every aspect of what you say is a priority. And so when you say, hey, I'm going to become a disciple-making pastor, well, I will tell you right now, sometimes we have the tendency of thinking bigger is better. And uh, I will say this, I don't think it always is better. It's just sometimes bigger. And I would tell you right now, my encouragement would be to start with maybe one, two, three, four, five. I don't know what the number is, but I would encourage you to pray through this and say, God, I want you to bring to my heart and to my mind who you want me to be pouring into 
first. Maybe you've never done this before. Maybe you've never pulled aside a, a group of men that you were going to pour into every week. But I would encourage you to do that. Maybe you go through a book in the Bible. Maybe you go through another, any type of other book. I don't know how you're going to do this, but that's completely up to you. But I would tell you to be praying through and find. Now, listen, find as God leads you. You're going to be looking for those who are people of influence in your church. Mm-hmm. Truth is, every pastor is limited by space and time or I would say place and time. You can't be everywhere and you can't do all things. And so I would pour into those that have really a great, um, a great ability to lead and influence. Now, here's the other thing. I would pour into spiritual people, people who have a spiritual bent, especially with my first go around, because I want to be able to pour into those who are already hungry for the things of God. Now, as you're picking these men, here's the reality. You may have to select folks who aren't well, they aren't necessarily sitting at your feet. Uh, oftentimes for a pastor, there is a group of people that, that we find are easy yeses. And in other words, they're the ones that can help you in the midst of a, oh my goodness, a crisis. I, I just, I didn't know I had this meeting coming up and I need somebody to help me tonight. And they're always, yes, a pastor, I'll be there. Or when you're trying to put up a, a group of men to start discipling, hey, you'll be there. Yeah, I'll be there. There may be a group of guys that you just like hanging out with. They're your buddies. But these may not be the right people for you to be discipling right now. It may be a leader in your church who, truthfully, leaders are always on the go. You're going to have to go after him. You're going to have to schedule a time to meet with him. You're going to have to start talking to him about it. But I'm going to tell you what happens. When you pour into those men that are leaders, you're redirecting them because they have so much energy. They have so much, so many gifts and so, uh, so much ability. Uh, you're going to have to then redirect them to say, hey, I believe that God wants you to pour a lot of your energy and talent and gifts into these things. Not only do you redirect them, then you have to also equip them. And there are so many great uh, resources out there. And Scott and Ray and the whole team can give you books on those kind of things that would be helpful to you. But you're going to have to pour into those men. And then here's the, here's the last thing. You're going to have to let them go. And sometimes that's a hard thing for us to do. Direct them pour into them and say, all right, now go get your three or four guys and start pouring into them. And what will happen is this, it, like I said, it starts small and sometimes it, it starts smaller than you would think it would be, but then it always starts slow. And there's a frustration with that, but in just a matter of a few years, what happens is you'll look around and you'll see men all over your church being mentored, being discipled, being equipped, starting to step up in leadership roles leading their families, taking incredible uh, tasks on board on, and, and, and seeing them start being more faithful and sharing their faith and in the word and spending, man, they become your, they become your co-laborers uh, to do great things for God. So I, I will tell you, pastor, I, I, listen, I know it's a lot of work, but I believe with all my heart, this is a great time to really examine our priorities and maybe even reprioritize some things. And say, all right, here's, here's what we're going to prioritize. We're going to prioritize equipping the saints to do the work of ministry. And I'm going to model it in my life, and I'm going to pour into two, three, four, or five people for that gift. So anyway, guys, I, I appreciate the opportunity to share my heart with you. Mm, on this. So good. So good. And, and Thomas, I had a pastor recently that said, made a comment that said, I feel like there's so much against me that my job is almost impossible. So pastors, leaders, if you're listening, watching this, um, and you feel like that, let me just encourage you with this. The key isn't who's against you. 
The key is who is for you. And listen, King Jesus is for you. And the Georgia Baptist Mission Board is for you. And we are here to stay and we are here to serve you in whatever capacity that you need us to do. So thank you for listening. Listen, Mike Taylor is our show producer. Mike, thank you for putting this together, making it work. Ray Sullivan, uh, you are just killing it, Southeast region. Thank you for being our discipleship expert down there and being on my trusted inner circle of wisdom. And then uh, my great friend, Dr. Hammond, thank you so much as our executive director. And more than that, as a friend, and when I came to Louisiana, there were two people that was that clinched my comfort and my confidence to come. One of those was Mark Marshall, the friendship I built with him. But the biggest piece was the vision that you had in Georgia through the Georgia Baptist Mission Board. So thank you for being one of those guys who thinks out of the box and is a future tense thinker that I just, that is so rare in today's world. Thank you for doing that and trusting me to lead a disciple making team that is impacting 3,400 Georgia Baptist churches and one and a half million people. Amen. I'm glad God brought you and Ray uh, to this team, as well as Mike, of course, still serving, has been for a number of years, so faithful and, and loved across the state. And we look forward to continue to bring more people on that are committed to those three things, pastors being our heroes. We want to invest in pastors and their families with uh, resources that we're continuing to try to, to allocate and become more, much more efficient, effective, and pushing more resources to that. But churches are a priority, and we want to prioritize with our budget, strengthening our churches. And of course, because the mission field is, man, is, so, is so ready to be harvested right here in Georgia. Amen. And as we close this out, thank you so much for engaging. And I pray, as I always do, that you will reinvest the gospel seed that was shared with you Amen. as we go and make world impacting disciple makers. Thanks for listening to Georgia Baptist Discipleship Podcast. And we want to give you a gift the five discipleship shifts most churches need to make to produce world-impacting disciple-makers. You can get this by going to ministryboom.com forward slash the number five discipleship shifts.com. That's ministryboom.com forward slash the number five discipleship shifts.com. This five-page PDF is a discipleship alignment checklist that may surprise you. It will help you learn why programs are killing your discipleship. The number one default worker strategy that keeps churches from empowering their ministries. Learn the OGV factor and how it can revolutionize discipleship, attendance, and evangelism in your church. Again, go to ministryboom.com forward slash the number five discipleship shifts.com. The Georgia Baptist Mission Board is able to provide resources like this because of gifts from Georgia Baptist to the Cooperative Program. For more information on this broadcast and a customized discipleship plan for your church, visit gabaptist.org forward slash discipleship. And by the way, if you found this content helpful, we sure hope you'll share it with a friend. And thanks so much for partnering with us to make world-impacting disciple-makers. Disciple Makers.